0: and data and analytics so if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions do check out the school of marketing website for more deeds already for now enjoy the show well hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the places will go show you know I've really got to say that I've been really looking forward to this episode and it's been in the diary for quite a while now um, but genuinely, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome Paul Coxell, the CEO of Wok to join us today to share his insights. Um, now, most of you, I am sure, will be familiar with Wok, But those who are not, it's in summary, probably the leading publication for marketing media and creative knowledge, I would say, in the world. Its contributions to the marketing industry have truly and continue to be quite unparalleled. And honestly, if there's any place you want to go for cutting edge information and insights, this is exactly where you want to be. But look, I'm not here to advertise Walk. I'm here to talk to Paul. But anyway, so today we're going to speak to Paul about his illustrious career, which really has spanned multiple countries and organizations. But beyond being the CEO title, what really makes Paul stand out is his dedication to a number of social initiatives as well that he supports. And I'm really happy to say that the School of Marketing is included within that but he's also on things like the Essentials Million Makers, which raises money for The Prince's Trust. Now, before his role at work, he was the CEO of Lions Intelligence. You know, the, the Lions that host the Cannes Lions, only the most coveted awards on this planet in the marketing space, yep, those. Um, and he also worked in South Africa for Absa Bank um, as the GM, and he's actually had a longstanding career at Barclays as well. And finally, just to know and great to know that our paths have crossed on many fronts since both me and Paul are alma maters of Warwick University too. So Paul, absolute pleasure to have you on, really can't wait to kick off.
1: Thank you, Richie, thanks for the introduction. Great to be here.
2: Yeah, lovely, lovely to have you on, Paul. Um, I, um, it's great to have you on for two very specific reasons. One is, what two things that I really um, cherish and, and love is that you're a, a marketer turned CEO Uh, Not too many of those around. And also the very currency of walk is marketing effectiveness, which is very close to my heart. Um, But as I said, this is this is about you. So let's start with you. And uh, how how are you doing? Where, Where are you and how are you?
1: Yeah I'm doing doing really well thank you and um Richie mentioned the million makers program that we're uh, that we're very active in and actually we've got one of our big fundraising moments uh, coming up next next week next Tuesday so we're busy in preparation mode uh, for that now um to raise hopefully loads of money for a fantastic cause and um, so that's a big focus and then of course um walk as a business is continuing to grow from strength to strength but um as with everybody at the moment, with some headwinds around in the economy, so it's uh, an, an interesting time to be a, a leader in marketing.
0: Hey, I, I feel you, Paul. Go Mark.
2: Just on the million makers, actually, Paul. Um, good shout out. We'll we'll, we'll need to drop a link <coughs> or do something if there's any way that we can give a bit of amplification. Then just let us know because it's a fantastic course. Sorry, Richard. No, no, not at all. Um,
0: you know, Paul, you alluded to the the headwinds. I'd like to touch on that for a minute, because I'm sure at this moment in time, people are probably feeling that quite acutely. And I guess, um, you know, what are some of the things that you're seeing and perhaps what are kind of the things that you're doing
1: to mitigate? Yeah, I mean, I think we're at a, a really interesting confluence of many different things at the moment, obviously still dealing with the aftermath and the ongoing pandemic in different parts of the world. Um, the the war in Ukraine, um, the cost of living crisis, and uh, and social change uh, all over the world as well, which has been ongoing but ramping up, um, particularly in these past few years. Um so I think uh, I think what marketers are looking for um, it, is more information and insight to help them navigate that. And so you know we're we're in a fantastic place uh, as Walk that we can help people. Um, and actually listen to what's going on in the market, listen to what our customers are asking, and then actually help help them to navigate through some of those changes. Um, so that's the kind of the macro picture actually, is that from a walk perspective, it it creates an opportunity for us to be even more relevant um, than we have been in the past. I think though on a human level, uh, obviously we've got to make sure that for, for our people and for the marketing industry in general, um, we're listening to how people are feeling, how they're doing, and how we can support them to get through it. Um, because it's uh, it's it, as I say, it's not just one thing. It's the fact that there are lots of things which is creating anxiety um, out there in the marketplace generally, and for for all all employees in particular. So I think a lot of, as a leader, I'm spending a lot of time listening, uh, a lot of time gathering feedback from people, uh, just to make sure that we can be responsive. Um, but also a lot of time listening to customers and what's going on in the market to make sure our product and proposition is is as relevant as ever. But, um, you know, it, 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 business as usual is certainly not where we are right now.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a perfect storm in the world. Interesting that you framed the role of Walker at a meta level as, as helping. And then a lot of the stuff that you do, Million Makers <coughs> and Beyond, is in that space of helping. So tell us a little bit about the the DNA of Paul Coxell as relates to wanting to help in the world.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought about it like that necessarily. But um, look, I mean, I I think particularly as my career has progressed. Um, I don't just want to be here um, and doing a role or playing a role in the industry that is uh, just here to uh, do the day job and deliver that job and, and grow for the sake of growth, if that makes sense. Um, but actually, for me, it's it, the growth comes by being relevant and useful and helpful, um, both at a company level but also at an individual level. Uh, so from a, from a company perspective, you know, if if we want to continue to grow, obviously we have to be doing relevant stuff. Otherwise people will just switch off and not come will not come and consume our content anymore. So I think that that helpfulness is actually ultimately a great commercial outcome. Um, but it's starts it's not starting from a place of commerciality, it's starting from a place of listening, um, learning and responding, so that we can then be more helpful. And I think for me as an individual, Mark, that's that's very much again as I, you know, I'm what uh, nearly thirty years into marketing now, um I want to make sure that that experience that I've gained over that time I can also usefully give back. And Million Makers is one way of doing that. The School of Marketing work with Richie is another. Um, but you know, if we're not helping that next generation to come through into the industry that we're already passionate about and care about, um, then uh, then I don't think we're doing we're doing justice to the experience that we've gained.
0: I really I really want to shout out on this point because. You know, you truly walk the talk in this respect and the helpfulness that you've lent to us. And I'm sure many of the other initiatives you're involved in, Paul, is really second to none and unparalleled. And I'm sure all people like us and many are grateful for what you what you do and the, the position in, that you take in this respect as well, um, which I think is quite quite rare um, and, and looking beyond just the, the nose of an organization and white and much wider into the wider world and in and, and that and the like so thank you it's, it's really it is really great um Paul, I want to ask right because we typically um, have lots of chief marketing officers who come on the show and the like but it is always almost quite a rarity when we get a CEO and uh, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about the transition of moving from marketing into a CEO role how have you found that and maybe some of the lessons around that
1: yeah, it's really interesting, um, Richie. I, I, when I look at it at a macro level, I'm surprised there aren't more people who move from CMO to, to CEO, because if you think about what a CEO needs to understand, the market needs to be commercial and be long-term as well as short-term, so be able to be fleet of foot, but also be be able to be thinking about vision and long-term planning. And those are all qualities that a CMO has to have as well. Um, so, you know, I, I'm surprised that there isn't more movement from CMO to CEO, to be honest. Um, but I guess if, if I take a step back, I've always thought of marketing as all elements of the mix. So not just comms, um, but product proposition, uh, pricing, etc. cetera. And if you, if you have that lens on marketing, actually marketing is, has to be right at the center of the organization. Um, it has to be, has to have a seat at the table um, in all discussions that, of strategic as well as short-term nature, and be really front and center in the commercial part of the organisation. And I think if if that's the role that marketing is playing, um, and then you're in the right conversations to naturally lead to a career path that could take you to a commercial role or a product role or indeed a, a CEO role. And um, so I think you know even when I've worked in organisations that have thought of marketing as being more comms than not uh, than, than the breadth I've just described. I've naturally always been really interested in the commercial part of the organization and have gravitated to have those conversations and then talk about the role of marketing in helping the business to grow. Um, and by being in those conversations, I think then have led to growth um, and to the expectation from the C-suite that I will be in the conversation uh, around organizational development and not just purely focusing on the campaign that we're delivering next Tuesday. Um, and so that longer term thinking has naturally led me to be in the, in the, in the debate and the discussion at strategic level. And um, so it didn't feel like a massive leap to move because I've always thought of marketing much more broadly. It didn't feel like a massive leap to then move into into the C-suite job. And as I say, I think it's a path that more marketers, I'd encourage more marketers to take.
2: Yeah, hallelujah. To that, and and therefore, obviously, it's you know, walk is all about effectiveness. So you're you're in the sweet spot. Just just a brief shout out to the marketing academy fellowship, which is there to help people to get from 100%. CMO to CEO, because it's not not always the the easiest journey in, in that regard. But um in terms of just one follow up question on being a CEO, is it is it something that you always had in your mind's eye, or just kind of a loosely held thought, or not really thought that far ahead. How did you think about the prospect of that elevation in advance of it?
1: Yeah, I think Mark probably for the last ten years or so, it's something that was always in my mind's eye. Um, if I go back to Warwick University, um, I, I, I didn't. I, I studied marketing as part of a broader uh, business degree. Um, so I, I didn't only do marketing and, and always enjoyed that kind of breadth um, of experience and then chose chose marketing as the as the kind of first function, but always came at it from a data and insight perspective. So my first few jobs at Barclays were very focused on data and insight um, and building that grounding uh, rather than starting a different part of marketing. And I think that foundation was really helpful later later on to make sure that, the, the the jobs that i was doing in marketing always came back to insight first of all and always came back to measurable outcomes so that when you're in that kind of senior discussion uh, you can show the impact that marketing is actually making um and i think as i i just naturally got more and more interested over time in how businesses operate and how businesses run um, and as a result of that um over the last few years started to think actually um an aspiration to ultimately run one of a a business would be great. And clearly, you know, uh, being part of essential acquiring walk four years ago was a great opportunity, um, and very fortunate in a way for me, um, that it's a business facing into the marketing industry. Um, so as a marketer, taking my first uh, CEO job, um, I had a a chance to do a job in an industry I understood. Um, So that was a, a, a helpful first first move.
2: Love it when a plan comes together
1: fortunate yes that 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 plan was definitely luck
0: so in that respect and you know alluding to the point that this is sort of you know your your first opportunity in 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 the big seat in that sense um clearly you must have had lots of learnings ups and downs and the show isn't all about being you know the superstar all the time so what have been some of the the downsides and the downs that you may have had or, or learnings along the way
1: yeah, it's a great question. It's something I think about a lot. I mean, obviously, I've made lots of mistakes in my uh, career, as hopefully we all have, because we should all be making a few mistakes to learn as we go. But um you know, I think the the first, uh, you know, I've I've sent an email to a million people that was supposed to go to fifty thousand people. Yeah, you know, I've made lots of kind of individual uh, silly mistakes along the way. But you know, I think if I look back, um I. I don't, there's there's no major regrets about the career path I've taken because you know the learnings that I've had have got me to where I am today, which I'm you know delighted to, uh, delighted to be where I am today. Um, but I think there's a few things I th- I probably didn't appreciate. And Richie, we've talked a bit about this before. Um, quite how lucky I was in the first few years of my career as you know a, a white guy um, from a middle class background with a good university education coming into, um, a, into a blue chip organisation, there, there were quite a lot of things that I think other people, other barriers that other people um, from different backgrounds would have had to overcome that I didn't. So I think there was a, the learning I have now, although I didn't appreciate it then, um, was that, uh, you know, I think uh, that that privilege um, enabled me to come in and to progress relatively quickly um, without necessarily having to overcome some of those other obstacles that other uh, other people have to. Um, so that's not a, a mistake, but it's certainly a learning um, for, for me that um, I, there was an awful lot of, of luck um, at the beginning of my career to end up in the right place. Um, I think as I progressed and I look back now in my, in my 20s in particular, um, I was progressing through Barclays reasonably quickly, but in the end, uh, actually, I think, the learning that i have now is i got too specialized um and i think partly that was because i was chased i was very ambitious and i was chasing the next promotion rather than building the bank of learning that would have stood me in good stead so you know if i look back i uh, towards the end of my 20s i ended up in a uh, quite specialized insight and crm jobs and in the end had to make a, a different move, which was actually to South Africa to, to get back out to be in a more generalist background and build up more of a general bank of marketing knowledge and experience to then make that next stage. Um, so I think my motivations were um, in my 20s sometimes were, were the wrong ones. Uh, Because it was all about trying to succeed uh, and trying to succeed from a career perspective rather than actually trying to learn um, so that I could have a better opportunity later.
2: Yeah, um, I guess we all go through this, don't we? You know, If only we had, if only we knew. But very interesting the way you talk about uh, being ambitious, but then almost jettisoning in a way to South Africa. Big move. I mean, going Mm. the other side of the world kind of thing. Tell us a bit about that transition and what you got out of that.
1: Yeah, I mean that was certainly those three years in Johannesburg were a career highlight. Um, there's no doubt. So uh, I had a Barclays was going through the process of acquiring Absa Bank, which recently they've uh, sold. Uh, but um, the so I had an opportunity to go out and lead some of the integration um, from a marketing perspective and a CRM perspective of uh, uh, to leverage best practice in Barclays and uh, and take that to uh, to Absa. Um, so a, a, an amazing opportunity, and um, the I, I, the way I it, it was very interesting actually when I arrived I was one of the later arrivals of about a hundred people from Barclays who were shipped out to uh, try and bring uh, bring the organisations together, um, and I what I what I realised very early on in that process was that the most important thing was listening um, and going and listening to the people in the ABSA organisation because you can imagine. Um, You parachute in 100 people from the UK who are going to tell you how to do your job better um, in order to be able to grow, grow the business. And that's not always necessarily the most empathetic way to proceed and didn't necessarily build relationships uh, very well. So, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, listening to what the people in the organization thought they could do differently and better uh, because actually most of the answers were there already. Um, It's just that they hadn't had the opportunity to deliver them. Um, So a lot of time building relationships with people in the organization. but I think probably the the, the bigger learnings mark, were, which are very relevant to what I'm doing today, um, South Africa itself is just a fascinating place. And you know, two, this is 2005 to 2008 roughly, um, so still going through only what. Uh, 15 16 years post apartheid um still a, an awful lot of impact as there is even today from uh, f- from the decades of apartheid on the education system on opportunities for people um so in my second half of my time there, I, I was seconded into Absa to do a, a job in the bank uh, for for about 18 months and to establish a new team. And in that environment <clears throat> at the time, there were quotas, racial quotas of, of how many people you needed to employ from different types of backgrounds in, in your team. Um, and that was still for some of the people who'd been in the bank a long time hard. Um, and uh, we we had some really interesting experiences of having to look much harder to find talent but the talent was there but then also recognizing that sometimes you have to nurture and train that talent uh, to come through particularly from um, non-white communities and we found some absolutely fantastic people that had to give them lots of support to uh, to be able to succeed Um, but what I learned which is so relevant today is that the talent is always there you just have to sometimes look in places that you didn't look before and be willing to invest and train a little bit harder um, and to get people to unleash that opportunity and um, so you know huge amount of learning for me from that time period um, from the society perspective as well as the the work perspective but certainly three of uh, the best years of my of my career Paul
0: well, you're touching on number of topics so close to my heart i mean south africa certainly being one um i spent a lot of time with netbank and i used to travel up to south africa and joburg four or five times a year and it was the most wonderful wonderful experience and the the culture the people the friendliness just the openness um i often before getting back on the flight coming back to london i was kind of like why am i even doing it why am i bothering him coming back it was just it's just wonderful um and so i totally echo that and uh you know, the thought, and of course, we're struggling in the UK today as well on a similar level where, you know, people people do need to find a wide variety of different talent. And actually, you know, we're losing out. We're losing out big time. Um, and it's that classic saying, right? Um, you know, talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And I think that's, um, you know, that's so, so pertinent. Um, well, we had lunch a couple of months ago now, and there was something you said at, at, at that, that meeting, which I just really struck with me which when you talked of that, you know, you're sitting in the shoes at WALK, the top shoes, and you said, you know, I'm just a custodian of the brand for a number of years. And I love that turn of phrase because it, it had such a humility to it. Um, and I'd love to explore that a little bit more about how you see your role as the CEO, perhaps in the long-term journey of the WALK brand and how it evolves.
1: Yeah. Um- <clears throat> and, I, and, you know, I, I said that very, very consciously, uh, Richie. I mean, if you go back, Walk has been around for 40-odd years. Um, you know, Mike um, Waterson, who founded it and who we we acquired the business from, um, he, he founded it back in the 80s from listening to some of the uh, gods of advertising uh, talk about the fact that there wasn't a place, there wasn't a home, um, for all of the best practice and the insight that the marketing industry had uh, that was kind of written down in lots of different places, but it wasn't consolidated. Um, and th- and what they said was that we we don't have the ability to stand on the shoulders of giants um, because we haven't got a place where, like doctors would have or lawyers would have, where they have got a bank of learning that they can bring to the start of their job that they can then build on. Um, so that was what, you know, really triggered Mike in the first place to, found um walk which was you know magazines and books and uh, ad stats books which some people in the industry will be familiar with um from back in the day and then eventually it became an online platform and you know i'm i think the role that when you go back to that that purpose why was it first created that's still relevant today um in fact you know potentially even more relevant today than it was then and for me what i need to make sure i do is continue to grow walk's relevance but make sure that the brand is in a really strong place to continue to deliver that mission for the next 40 50 years um so i think you know my I, it struck me and i may have said this to you before richie that you know from 20, being a marketer for 20 odd years it was only actually a few years ago a couple of years before we acquired the business that i'd heard of walk um and i think a lot of agency folks had heard of Walk a long time before a lot of brand marketers, um, and so I think the, the ins, as soon as you show the platform to people, they generally think it's great and you know wish they'd had it for a long time. And um, so you know, I, my job really is to try and make sure that we get the amazing content that we produce and the work that we do in front of as many people as possible. Because you know, obviously there's a commercial imperative there, but I genuinely think. Um, that what we have on there helps you be a better marketer, um, and helps to train young people um, into uh, with a foundation level of marketing, um, and then to continue to grow and improve. So, from my perspective, uh, my job is to is to help Walk be in front of as many people around the world who do who do this amazing job called marketing.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happily vouch for the fact that Walk output the content and the product is is top top notch, um, well, I'm going to take us in a bit of a different direction. So uh, I got some got some feedback a couple of days ago from Claire Moorhouse uh, back at Direct Line. If you're if you're listening, Claire, um, calling me out on yeah, you know, I didn't do a, something particularly brilliant in a comms moment. Um, mm. Nothing major, but straightforward and and uh, good feedback. And and you know she was right, and it's it's it was a good good thing. Um, and it reminded me that we had Tom Roach on a few weeks ago. Yeah, uh, And he talked about the three C's of BBH, um, you know, conservatism, complacency and cynicism. And he said he was once called out uh, on the fact that he'd become a bit too cynical. And that was the the killer of curiosity. And it was a really real pivot moment in his self-perception and then at a, ch- a point of change. So um, on the subject of feedback, what's what's some of the best or most pivotal single, maybe most important piece of feedback you've had that has stopped you in your tracks and made you think a bit differently? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. Um,
1: And lots, um, to be honest. I mean, if I, you know, if I look back, I I mentioned this a little bit earlier on. Um, I think sometimes, at various points in my career, um, I've been more concerned about how the message is coming across rather than what the message is, if that makes sense. So some of the best well, this probably one of the best feedback as soon as you asked the question it's popped up to the top of my mind um one of the best pieces of feedback i ever had a few years ago was worry less um about the presentation and worry more about the message um and and underneath that was kind of worry worry less i guess a little bit about what people are thinking of you at the time um and worry more about what you're trying to say Um, And and I think that was really, really powerful because, you know, if you imagine, I I used to sometimes get quite nervous in front of senior audiences um, internally as well as uh, exit, but more internally, to be fair. And, um, you know, that got in the way, actually, of delivering the message that I was trying to communicate and um, because often there've been an amazing amount of work that's gone into commu- into uh, producing a piece of in a uh, work or a presentation that to share internally and if you as the communicator are getting in the way of communicating that work then actually you're not doing justice to all the people who have actually put in loads of hours to deliver it so you know for me actually that that was really pivotal to just say focus on the work focus on the message and worry less about how you as an individual are coming across
0: Oh, wonderful what a a wonderful piece of insight really really
1: cool yeah and I think it's also it's a little bit about relaxing into yourself um and being being authentic you know one of the things that's really important for me as a leader is authenticity um and you know, I spend a lot of when I, when we first acquired Walk, I spent a lot of time with the people in the business then talking about who I was, what my background was outside work, what I was interested in, et cetera. And I think it's trying to be trying to bring as much of your whole self as you are comfortable doing um, to to work to what you do day to day. We spend so much time here doing it um, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, if you're if you've got a, a mask that's trying to be someone else, um, in this you know half to two-thirds of your life you're spending at work that's quite hard work mentally actually um to to do that so you know for me that was all about kind of getting yourself out of the way and focusing on the the work focus and then and then everything else will look after itself
0: fantastic well that's 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 what what lovely advice um both you were given and how you've articulated it um i wanted i want to change tact again you were part of the group which Obviously owns, as I as I alluded to, the most coveted award ceremony our industry has to offer, the Cannes Lion. And in fact, Walk played a significant role this year, in, and had a a stage which I know you're doing, and you and Barbara, your CMO, was doing a lot of preparation for. So give us a little bit of insight into the world of of Cannes um, from your perspective, and uh, perhaps I'm sure some people listening in may have gone, some may have not. So love to get your take on it
1: yeah well first of all it was uh it was great to be back of course um in in can and welcome the industry together uh, once again because it had been a a couple of years of doing uh, virtual events um and this was the first time we could bring people physically back together which was uh, which was fantastic and you know i think the industry really responded to that um there was a a, a huge desire to be to, to be present um and um And, you know, we were thrilled to to be back there face-to-face. I mean, I think the the virtual component now lives on, and that's really important because that makes everything that that we do much more accessible. Um, But uh, having people there in Cannes um, this year was, uh, it it felt very engaged. It felt very uh, important, actually, as a moment for the industry to reconvene um, after some time of being away to celebrate, obviously, the great work through the awards. Um, but also to spend time listening and debating um, as well. So, you know, it's um, uh, in terms of getting ready for CAN, I think, was when we were together, Richie, is always a, a lot of work to make sure that we've got a really compelling agenda um, and that we've got something people want to listen to. Um, from a walk perspective, we had 20 hours of content across the week, some amazing speakers, um, you know, Karen Nelson Field, Peter Field, um, and Orlando Wood, many others. And so it felt like a real gathering of uh, a lot of the effectiveness community. Um, and that content uh, really landed um, with people. Yeah. We got amazing feedback uh, on it because it gave them some immediate takeaways um, that uh, the attendees could action, um, as well as the bigger vision ideas that they get from other parts of the festival. So yeah, it was a busy time, but a, a really successful uh, event.
2: Yeah, a p- pinnacle event. Uh- so, you're in the business of effectiveness. Oh. And there will be many marketers <clears throat> listening to this who aren't on the board or the exec, uh, are seen as the communication comms, the comms lead, um, want to be seen as commercially credible, and marketing as an investment rather than a cost. La la la. Um, I mean, that's kind of your game. So, what what are your to- aside of obviously walk is a brilliant resource. What are your top tips about the way that people should sort of carry themselves in order to be seen as a commercially credible marketing leader?
1: Yeah, that's a, a great question, Mark. The um, look, I think there's a there's a few things. The, the first is to really understand what your how your marketing goals connect to the business goals, and be able to tell that story really, really clearly. Um, you know, we we meet, or I meet a num a surprising number of marketers who don't necessarily know what the business goals are, um, and uh, and certain, and they may know the marketing goals, but they may not understand how they connect. Um, and I, I use the word goals because it's not just about sales, obviously. I mean, that's one, one aspect of effectiveness is selling more, um, selling more of whatever it is you're trying to sell. But, you know, effectiveness for us is a much broader thing. You know, it's, it's, it's the achievement of the growth goals that you as a marketing function have. And they could be consumer behavior change. You know, one of the, I think one of the best examples of a marketing campaign recently was the hands face space. Um, during the, the pandemic, you know that wasn't trying to sell anything. That was trying to ch- fundamentally change behavior and save lives. And that's when you know that marketing as an industry can make a huge impact because um, it actually genuinely led to people doing things differently and saving lives. Uh, so, <clears throat> whatever the goals are, whether they're sales goals, brand growth goals, or whatever, I think understanding what they are and how they connect to uh, to the uh, to the business goals number one is really really important. Um, secondly then is is repeatedly communicating how you're doing against those and how that's impacting the business because it's you know i think one of the things that marketers sometimes are guilty of is do an they do an annual plan and then talk about it again next year um, And say, right, twelve months. Let's look back and see how we did. I think you have to constantly be having the conversation to say, this is what we said we'd do. This is how we're doing. These are where the numbers are, um, and repeating that again and again. Um, And not a long list of metrics, three to five. You know, just focus on the big ones and then show how that links back to the wider organisation. So I think you know, getting those foundational pieces right is really important. And then I think the second thing, which we touched on a little bit earlier, is is talking and listening and, you know, speaking to the product function, speaking to the the commercial function and the HR function, the finance function, you know, make the CFO your best friend, um, but really understand their challenges and what they're trying to achieve so that when you're talking to them, you're talking in their language. Um, Because I think that's uh, that universal translator that marketing can be actually in the, Conductor that it can be across the organisation. Um, if done well, it can can make a huge difference. So, so I'd say get align the goals, talk about them regularly, um, and then really understand the language that you need to deliver that into the different functions to make sure that you're relevant to them.
0: Awesome.
1: That's a that's a lovely summary, actually,
0: um, of being able to really understand how to create commercial value um, and and influence change in the organisation. Um. Paul, coming up to the end of the segment, so so this will be the last question. Um, if you had to offer one piece of advice to a young person who's either just about to get in or looking to get into our industry, what would it be?
1: It's, a, it's um, something I think about a lot, Richie. I think the most important thing, I think, is really to make sure that you're following your passion because you know if it, we touched on this earlier you spend a lot of time at work so you want to make sure that you're doing something that you're genuinely passionate about and you know marketing is an industry that we should we i think as as an industry could could and should shout about much more and be much more proud of you there's a lot of talk about marketing as an industry being uh not having a voice at the table etc and i think we do so much um, and really trans tra- can transform organizations through great marketing i think as a young person you want to make we want to help young people feel connected to that um so you know i would i think we as an industry need to communicate more passion about what we do um, but i think we want young people to feel that passion um and then to find their path there's so many different aspects to marketing of course to find your path within it so you know, link to that, link to that passion. Comment, Richie. I would just say is to uh, try a few different parts of marketing before you settle on your path. You know, you might be a creative, you might be an insight person, you might be a a campaign person, or you might want to try all of them. Um, but uh, try try as many things as you can um, so that you learn what your passion is uh, when you join an organization.
2: Yeah, great way to end. Again, another great piece of advice, and I like the way that you tipped it towards. You know the the transformational role of marketing because it is so often pigeonholed as something much less than that paul it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show uh, genuinely i mean it's uh, we've covered a lot i'll just do my best to recap some of the headlines from my point of view so we talked a lot about help and i think you're wired into that that's wired into you and um, but very specifically how can you be relevant and useful so simple but 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 so um so powerful and uh, we talked about your 10-year vision to become a ceo now realized all power to you for that. Uh, but I don't think it's changed you that much. Um, it's definitely not gone to your head, but it shows that you can plot a path and be quite deliberate. And I think you're a very deliberate person, that's my impression. Um, you know, not too much flounce, just pretty clear on what you want and going for it. Although sometimes you, you tilted too much to the ambition space and uh, you talked about building the bank of learning. And so that reset in South Africa, m- my sense is that was a really important moment in your life so great to hear a little bit about that uh, and of course talent is always there you just got to look in the right places and of course everything that Richie and the team do at the School of Marketing is all about that I loved when you said sort of get out get yourself out of the way you you can inadvertently get in the way of yourself or get in the way of whatever you're trying to do and and, and cloud the message and relax I mean of course easier said than done but cool. I do believe you can learn to enjoy public communication, public speaking, um, and and the imperative is is clear, as you say, otherwise you will camouflage the message. Great advice about how to get the value of marketing across. Um, And in general, it's been a real treat just to hear your thoughts. Very clear in your thinking, very deliberate. Um, And I'm sure you're gonna go on to amazing things subsequent to this, so thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Mark, really appreciate that, and great questions as well. So thank you, really,
1: really interesting session.
0: No, Paul. No, absolutely. Look, just just from me, I think the, the key takeaway here from me, right, is as I mentioned before, it's quite it's quite rare that we we get the fortunate pleasure of a CEO joining us on the show. Although, please, more join, obviously. Um, but the broad point I think is it'll it'll add as an inspiration for those who are about to take that next step into that role. Um, and some of your key learnings were, were brilliant in that respect. But I think not only does it play to somebody who is looking to step into those shoes, but I think you've got the sense where you talked about the the likes of listening um, and a real sense of humility for even people at different stages, you know, right from getting in throughout as they go through. And I think this will act as a real inspiration for those people as well to really see how they can not only get into an, an industry, but then actually be able to climb right to the top of the ladder as well. So just a massive thank you, Paul, and a, and an even bigger thank you for everything that you actually do do for our industry, um, because I think it really is important and it's impactful, the stuff that you do and the time you give to all those various things, um, including us. So
1: a big, massive thank you. Thank you, Richie. Thanks. Really appreciate that and look forward to doing a lot more with you.